0: Welcome to the Colonial Hills Podcast, a ministry of Colonial Hills Baptist Church. I ask you a question this morning Are you weary and well doing? You find yourself fearful about the future, wondering what in the world is going on. Perhaps the challenges of the world have left you feeling like you're struggling and weighed down. If you're saying, Yes, I think I am weary and well doing this morning then I would invite your attention to the book of James in the fifth chapter with great anticipation for as we turn to James chapter 5, the half-brother of our Savior, the pastor of the church of Jerusalem, the one who writes with such wisdom in the book of James, that the book of James, these five chapters have been called the Proverbs of the New Testament. James has a message for the weary and well-doing this morning. He has a challenge for those who are fearful about the future, and for those who are weighed down, there's a message here that can give us encouragement. If you're asking this morning, well, pastor, what is that message? Three times, beginning in James chapter 5 and verse 7, down to James chapter 5 and verse 11, James focuses in on the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. James chapter 5 and verse 7, you read it there, it says, be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. James chapter five and verse eight, this reminder, that the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. James five and verse nine, we're reminded the judge stands at the door. James is talking about the blessed hope. The blessed hope for the believer is the certain coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, our savior, to rescue us from our weariness, to answer all of our questions and give us clarity, to lift the burden away, And James 5 and verse 8 says, The coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Now, the World Health Organization announced a global pandemic back on the 11th of March. Since then, I believe, our world has been filled with confusion. More than a little bit of fear has gripped this world in which we are now living. James chapter 5 and verse 9 shares something that's wonderful. One day, the heavenly archangel is going to stand forward and say, all rise. And the Lord Jesus Christ, the King of glory, is going to come for the judge even now is standing at the door. And so the best question I can ask you this morning, are you ready for his coming? Are you thinking of the coming of Christ? I'd like to focus in James chapter 5, beginning in verse 7 this morning, and bring a message that I've simply titled, the King is coming, so keep on keeping on. James 5, beginning in verse 7, Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, and hath long patience for it, until he receive the early and latter rain. Be ye also patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge stands at the door, take my brethren, the prophets, who has spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. Behold, we count them happy which endure. You have heard of the patience of Job, and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of a tender mercy. The Lord is coming. The King is coming. Keep on keeping on. Let's ask the Lord to bless as we look into His Word. Father, I pray that this morning we would be encouraged by what we discover that in a time of confusion and instability as we sing about the wonderful power of the rock upon which we stand, that we would simultaneously look up and remember that our redemption is drawing nigh. Lord, I pray that you would lift up the feeble knees of someone who's come to this service, help those who are weary and well-doing to rejoice in the certainty of the promise that the Lord Jesus Christ, who has gone to prepare a place for us, is coming again. And Lord, help us with patience to persevere until the trumpet sounds and your faithful ones are called home. And Lord, we know that all those who have this hope in them purify themselves until your coming. And so, Lord, may this service this morning be a time of purifying our hearts and adjusting our spirits so that we're living in light of your coming. And Lord, if there's someone who's come into this room this morning who doesn't know Christ as Savior May today be the day that the Spirit of God illumines that heart and draws someone to himself. And Father, I pray that on this day, as we seek to serve you, that we'll serve you better because of what we learn from your holy word. For it's in Christ's name we pray, amen. Years ago, a wealthy woman spent a night in a hotel room. After packing up and departing the next day, the thought crossed her mind, I think I left, I know I left some jewelry behind. And In fact, she'd left a very significant piece of jewelry behind and so as soon as she could, she stopped her daily activity and she called the hotel and the desk clerk answered the phone and when the desk clerk answered the phone, she said, I stayed in your establishment and I fear I've left a piece of jewelry behind. Has anything been found? The desk clerk responded, no, nothing's been brought to my attention. But he said, you know what? Uh, I I can go down and check the room right now. So you just wait right here. He put the phone down on the desk, and he went down the hallway to check the room. And lo and behold, he found that piece of, of jewelry. So hastening back to the desk, he picked up the phone to tell the lady the good news. And when he picked up the phone, he said, hello, and there was no answer. She'd left. In her impatience, she had put great treasure at risk. I tend to think that's a message that needs to be heard by all of us today. In our impatience, there's great treasure that we put at risk. Eight months ago, when the pandemic was first being spoken of, we heard about the Wuhan coronavirus. Five months ago, the Center for Disease Control announced a quarantine. Two months ago, they came across this novel idea of a mask mandate. And now, Well, now our patience is wearing thin. When the lockdown went into place, people were asking me, people that I didn't even know, virtual strangers were coming up to me and saying, hey, can I ask you a question, Pastor? Do you think this is the beginning of the end? Now, these months later, people are talking more about the new normal than they are about Christ's arrival. Something has happened. As we open our Bibles to James chapter 5, two themes are being woven together in the verses that we read. Obviously, in verses 7, 8, and 9, we read about the coming of Christ. Verse 7, be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Verse 8, be patient, also establish your heart, for the coming of the Lord draws nigh. Verse 9, the judge stands before the door. But there's a second theme being woven into this same passage. And that second theme is found in verse 7, 8, 10, and 11. What is it? It's the theme of patience. Verse 7, be patient. Verse 8, be also patient. Verse 10, take my brethren the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. Verse 11, behold, we count them happy which endure. You've heard of the patience of Job. Simply said, James wants us to realize that the king is coming, And since he's coming, we need to keep on keeping on as we ponder the promise of the coming of Christ. We need to persevere with great patience. God wants us to look up eagerly, but he wants us also to be living faithfully. In James 5 and verse 7, be patient therefore, brethren, under the coming of the Lord. Right now, people are asking, how do I put up with all this patiently? Truthfully, Pastor, I am weary in well-doing. Truthfully, Pastor, I am becoming more and more fearful about the future. If I get honest, I realize that I'm asking the question often, what in the world is going on in the world? And the challenges of life seem to be weighing me down. For those who are honest enough to give such self-assessment and say, yeah, that sounds like me right now, I'm struggling, James offers three examples of patient perseverance. Three examples that are set forward to challenge each of us to keep on keeping on because the Lord is coming. In verses 7 and 8, James refers to a farmer in order to challenge each of us to work. In verse 10, James says, now take for example the prophets in order to challenge us, I believe, to witness. And then beginning in verse 11, James says, and, and by the way, look at Job. Job in order to challenge each of us to watch. If your emotions are like mine this morning, a little bit raw, and your mind feels like it's been spun through a blender quite a bit recently, then I have a passage for you in James chapter five that ought to be a great encouragement because it's true, the king is coming. And his coming is nearer today than it was when the Wuhan China virus was first introduced to us. His coming is nearer today than when you first strapped on a mask to come to a church service. Will you read verse 7 aloud with me this morning? Even if it's muffled, it's a joyful sound to hear you read aloud. Verse 7, you ready? Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, and hath long patience for it until he receive the early and the latter rain. What's he saying? He's saying, work patiently like a farmer. Work patiently like a farmer. Now, most of us have not spent any significant or serious time on a farm, but I'm told by those who have that farming is not the right occupation for those who are impatient. It's been said that the only crop that grows overnight is weeds. Everything else will require patience. And so in James 5 and verse 7, James says, now behold the husbandman, and he takes us to the grain farm. He's not taking us to the ranch. He's taking us to visit the grain farmer. And he says that grain farmer has long patience. Interesting word, macro thumeo. He has strength under control. He is in the midst of his challenges, very temperate. He has this long-suffering tenacity about him. He knows that the longer the harvest matures, the more precious the harvest will be. Impatience is not welcomed by that farmer who's waiting for the grain to come in. When I was small, we lived in a farming community. I still remember the scenes in my childhood, watching people working the farms round about where we lived. After I'd grown a little bit older, my father shared with me about an impatient farmer who lived down the road from where we lived. This impatient farmer was working out in his field one day and some of his machinery got jammed. Being an impatient and often an angry man, he did that which he knew he should not do. He took out a crowbar and began to work on a a moving tractor. He jammed the crowbar down into the machinery that was operating at the time and that crowbar got spun and went up into the air and came right down on his head and took his life. His impatience had cost him much There are those who are living in such eager anticipation of the coming of the Lord that when the Lord day by day delays His coming, they find themselves impatiently saying, you know what, done with that. Not going to think about that any longer. Don't want to be talking about that conversation anymore. That's very unwise, folks. This passage is saying a good farmer is patient while working diligently. A good farmer is patient while working diligently. Around here in Indiana, that should be something that we take for granted almost. When the sidewalks roll up and the lights go off in the suburbs in October and November, many see the Hoosier farmers out in the fields taking in eagerly the harvest and working almost round the clock. They're working diligently. There are those who are here today who can remember back in March when neighbors and friends and co-workers and family members We're bringing up to you the topic of the coming of Christ and asking you what was happening. And you were answering with great boldness that the Lord's coming is indeed near, for that's what the Word of God tells us. But that was a half a year ago. And he hasn't returned. And so we look in James chapter 5 this morning and we're reminded we're to be patient and work like that farmer and labor and toil. After all, in Luke 19 and verse 13, Jesus gave us a challenge. He said, occupy till I come. Don't quit. And in fact, Jesus would say in John 9 and verse 4, the night is coming when no one will work. Sadly, talk of the Lord's second coming tends to be muted even in America today, even by well-meaning believers today because of the embarrassment of too many conversations led by the date setters. People who say, well, it's going to happen this October. And we know that because that's, you know, when the Feast of the Trumpets comes around and the Feast of the Trumpets has to tie in with 1 Thessalonians 4 and October comes and goes. And the sensationalists who have caused people to put their antennas up have caused people to say, I just don't think I want to put my antenna up any longer. And the backlash has been that even the faithful who read God's Word and say they believe it, Seldom think of it, and even less seldom speak of it. And we get discouraged and weary in our well-doing. Now, folks, I love what D.A. Manny said. He said, amid all that's hard to understand in the prophecies of the Bible, there's one prediction that stands out clear and certain, namely, the promise that Jesus Christ is coming again. Before his ascension in John 14, Jesus said, I go and prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will can you finish it? Come again and receive you unto myself. At the ascension in Acts chapter one, the angels would say, ye men of Israel, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall likewise come again, even as you've seen him go. After the ascension in First Thessalonians chapter four, the apostle Paul is writing by the power of the Spirit of God when he says, and the trumpet will sound and the dead shall rise incorruptible and the Lord himself shall descend from heaven. He's going to come again. And yet we find ourselves often wrestling. Should we think about this theme? Oh, well, 1 John says those who think about this theme purify themselves. Do you know what the last words of Jesus were? In all the Bible, the last words of Jesus, they're found in Revelation chapter 22 and verse 20. Here are his last words. Behold, I come quickly. The coming of the Lord should be our thought. There are 319 references in the New Testament to the second coming of Christ. As you read through the New Testament, you'll find there are 216 chapters in the New Testament. One in every 20 verses of the New Testament will allude to the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. We shouldn't be silent about it, but in a generation that's becoming increasingly silent, we should look in God's Word and be reminded that as the theme is addressed, it's addressed with this challenge. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit. You see, the farmer is going to work diligently, and the farmer is going to work dependently. He knows that that former and latter rain is necessary, just as a farmer is waiting for the providence of God to send the rain. Even so, we're challenged in God's Word that we're to be waiting and watching. We're waiting dependently. Friend, you'll never know the blessings that God wants to happen in your lives unless you're serving Him dependently. As we wait for His coming and the challenges come, we cry out, even so come Lord Jesus, and we depend the more on the Lord for our daily strength when the challenges arise. The 127th Psalm reminds us that those who try to build their house without the help of the Lord, are laboring in vain. Those who try to secure their city without the help of the Lord are laboring and staying up all night in vain. You see, it's not by might nor by power. It's by my spirit, says the Lord. So perhaps you're discouraged this morning. As the coronavirus lingers and you find yourself running out of gas, here's a theme of themes in the New Testament. That ought to recharge our batteries as we gather together Sunday by Sunday to reflect on the resurrection of our Savior. If you're losing your enthusiasm, this passage says, work dependently, work in light of the Lord's return. The King is coming, so you should be keeping on in your keeping on. And as you reflect on that farmer who works so diligently and depends so carefully. James says, I have something else for you to consider. I want you to consider the prophets, how patiently the prophets witnessed in their lifetimes. So he says in verse 10, take my brethren the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. Behold, we count them happy which endure. Now remember, James is the pastor of the church at Jerusalem the half-brother of Jesus, the pastor of the mother church, if you will, the first church from which all the other churches have been sent out. And those other churches have gone out because great persecution has come to Jerusalem. And as Satan stamps the church in persecution, the embers of the church, the blood of the martyrs have become the seed of the church. And James is now writing this pastor, faithful pastor of this church that's known persecution. And he says, now take my brethren the prophets for an example. And I wonder if the minds of the people that he pastored went immediately back to a man that they had known well. There was a man in the church of Jerusalem by the name of Stephen, so highly esteemed by the church that he was selected as the first deacon. And Stephen stepped forward in his lifetime to witness to the religious persecution in the city of Jerusalem, and he asked them an important question. He said, which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And They picked up stones, and they stoned Stephen. It's not hard to imagine that those who are receiving this challenge to remember the prophets could also remember the conversation of Stephen that would cause his life to be taken from him, it's not hard to imagine that those who received in the first century this letter from James could well remember the echo of Jesus who said in Matthew 23, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that stonest the prophets and kill those who are sent unto you. So James says, take a look at the prophets. As you take a look at the prophets, you'll be encouraged to witness. You see, it may be God's will that you suffer while sharing the good news. It may be God's will that you suffer while sharing the good news. Take, my brethren, the prophets, for an example of suffering affliction. When the pandemic began, a church in Louisiana was shocked to find police officers in the parking lot forbidding them from gathering together and assembling. And they asked the question that morning so many months ago, is this the beginning of the erosion of the First Amendment of our Constitution, allowing us freedom of assembly for worship? Just a couple of weeks ago, a pastor in California stood forward and said to his congregation, I know there's a mandate in our state, but we're going to violate the mandate. We have a greater mandate from God not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. And this morning, as that 81-year-old pastor goes into his church in Los Angeles, California, people are asking, I wonder if he's going to be arrested today. Just a week or two ago, a church in Nevada asked the Supreme Court to intervene because the governor of Nevada said it's okay for people to go to a casino and have at least 50% occupancy, but when it comes to going to church, religious assembly is no more than 50 people. And the Supreme Court of the United States of America said, you know, we'll let the state of Nevada fight out their, their interpretation of the First Amendment, the right to freedom of assembly. And there are Christians in our country today who are asking an appropriate question, will persecution be at our doors soon? And the answer to that question is, Perhaps. And should that persecution come, take, for example, the prophets, brethren, and as you take them for an example, remember how they suffered affliction, how Jeremiah was placed down in a pit until they drew his emaciated body up, how Isaiah was willing to be sawn asunder rather than capitulate from sharing the message that his community needed to hear. It may be God's will, that you suffer to share the good news. But I want to tell you something, it will never be God's will that you become impatient while sharing the good news. Verse 11, the prophets are set forward as an example, there's that word again, of patience, macrophemia. Just like the farmer who works with strength under control and enduring spirit, the prophets also witnessed with that same enduring, confident, courageous spirit. Do you have such a spirit? In every assembly, it's a mixed bag. A number of years ago, Derek Weisenborn attended a college chapel. I never thought of Derek as a particularly courageous young man when he was in our youth group, but Derek attended a college chapel and heard of the need to share the gospel with others, and his heart was so burdened for his grandfather. (laughs) that he went home to his dormitory and he sat down and wrote a lengthy letter to his grandfather. He shared with his grandfather that the Father God sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. He shared with his grandfather that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And that includes you, Grandpa, that you're a sinner. He shared with his grandfather that the wages of sin is death. That's eternity separated from God. And then he shared with his grandfather the wonderful news that God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He shared with his grandfather that if his grandfather would believe in his heart the Lord Jesus and confess with his mouth that he is God, that he could be saved and challenge his grandfather to call upon the name and be of the Lord and be saved. He wrote the, the letter ever so carefully. He folded it up, put it in an envelope, put the address on it, put a stamp on it, walked by the mailbox and set it in the mailbox. And later that day, he was on the phone with his father, and he said, Dad, I hope you'll pray. I've written a letter to Grandpa to tell him about salvation. His father, who had been a believer for many years, said, you did what? So I wrote a letter to to Grandpa to tell him about salvation. His father, long silence on the other end of the phone, he said, wow, have you mailed it yet? Derek said, yeah, I put it in the mail this morning. His father said, ooh, boy, I hope Dad takes that well. A couple days went by, Derek's father got a phone call from his grandfather. His grandfather said to his son, Son, you need to get over here. I got a letter from Derek and I want to talk to you. Click. His father got in the car and drove over to, his, to Derek's grandfather's house. As he came in the house, Derek's grandfather held up the letter and he said, I got this letter from Derek. You know what he's saying? He's saying I'm a sinner, that I need a Savior, that I need to be saved. And I do. Can you tell me how I can be saved? Derek's grandfather came to Christ as Savior. You see, Derek had the spirit that James is talking about here, but his own father didn't. Derek had the spirit of the prophets. Do you? There are some who can remember back now a half a year ago when opportunities arose to tell others that, yes, the Lord is sovereign and he is in control of our circumstances. And none of this which is taking us by surprise is taking him by surprise. And you need to be ready to stand before the Lord because we don't know whether he'll come today or whether your life will be taken today. Where's that spirit today? As we look in this passage, we are challenged. We are challenged to recall that the King is coming. And because the King is coming, we are to be serving and serving faithfully. The Lord is coming, so work like a farmer. The Lord is coming, so witness like a prophet. The Lord is coming, so watch patiently. Watch patiently like Job. Again, verse 11, you've heard of the patience of Job. You've seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of a tender mercy. Now remember how James spoke of the farmer and James spoke of the prophet and he said they both have macrothumia, this strength under control. It's interesting here in verse 11. As James speaks of Job, he changes the word. He says patience in our King James Bibles but the word in the original language is hoopo mone I love that word hupo means to place upon and mone means to moan <laughs> it pictures carrying a burden and so unlike the farmer and unlike the prophet Job is specifically pointed out as one who's carrying an awful burden as he watches for the hand of the Lord you see Job is placed forward in God's word to present an honest picture for us. One day, this man who loved God greatly, who served God fervently, who was righteous in his generation, in one day, he lost 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 1,000 oxen, 500 donkeys. But more than that, he lost seven sons and three daughters in one day. And in Job chapter 1 and verse 20, 20, Job says, he went and rent his mantle, shaved his head and fell down on the ground. He said, naked came I into this world and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. There are times when God's favored sons and favored daughters, God's children suffer terrible challenges. In Job chapter 2, God allowed Satan to move from Job's family to Job's flesh. And the Bible says, he broke out with boils. He took a piece of a pot and he scraped his skin as he waited and watched for what God would do. So what are you going through today? What boil has broken out? It might be a job loss. It might be some measure of your wealth has been taken away it might be your health has been challenged it might be a friendship or some confidence that you'd had as these things are taken away this one who presents an honest picture of the challenges believers go through also presents a hopeful picture that's why James brings us back to say and consider Job because Job in the midst of his challenge is going to say in Job 19 and verse 25 I know that my Redeemer lives and though after this flesh, worms will destroy this body, yet in my flesh, I will see God. Job is going to stand. By the time the book of Job is over, we're going to be able to say, we understand why James says in James 5 and verse 11, we do count them happy, which endure. For Job 42 says, Job was blessed with more than he'd ever had before, more in the end than he'd had at the beginning. And so I asked this morning, what are you going through? What challenge is causing you to be weary and well-doing? What is causing you to wonder what in the world is going on in the world? What in the world is happening that is causing you to be confused? There's clarity found in this passage. Weaving together two themes, the Spirit of God has one message. Here's the message. Be patient and understand that the coming of the Lord is drawing nigh. The psalmist said in Psalm 30 and verse 8, weeping endures for a night. Joy comes in the morning. So work patiently like a farmer, depending upon God to supply for you. He sends the rain. And witness patiently like a prophet, remembering that God will support you. He will share your pain. And watch patiently like Job, depending on God to strengthen you. He will supply for your gain, Can we read aloud together? James 5 and verse 8. All together aloud, James 5 and verse 8. Be ye also patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth not. This podcast has been a ministry of Colonial Hills Baptist Church, a church home for all people. If what you've heard has been an encouragement to you, please subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. If you'd like to connect with Colonial or find more resources, you can find us online at colonialindy.org. You can also check us out on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for joining us today, and we hope to see you next time on the Colonial Hills Podcast.